If you have a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to, <clears throat> over the next couple weeks, this text is going to act as kind of serve as our foundational text for the next couple weeks as we um, dig in here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 is where we're going to begin, but let me set it up here really quickly with some context. Uh, Ephesians, uh, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and what you have to understand is Paul knows these people. Okay, um, Paul's like the person in your friend group that seems to like be in everybody's business and you don't know how he got that far into everybody's business, but he seems to know everything about everybody all the time. Paul's that dude, okay? Um, Paul knows these people in, in, the, in the church at, at, at Ephesus. And what he does is Paul actually, during his second missionary journey, you can go Acts 18, Acts 19, kind of get some context, but second missionary journey, Paul goes and he kind of helps to start this church. He helps identify the leaders of this church. Uh, he leaves, then comes back a couple years later, spends three years at this church doing ministry, kind of ministry all around has left, now he is in a Roman prison and he is writing back to this church at Ephesus uh, to encourage them. There's two themes in the book of Ephesians. The, the first in, in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, uh, Paul is writing to this church, telling them, reminding them of what they believe. Parents, you ever had to tell your kids the same thing a hundred times and then like they go to a friend's house and they learn it there in like four minutes, Right. This, this is kind of Paul's, Paul's heart. Paul's writing back, hey, I know you. Like, I want to encourage you to keep going. I want to simplify some things. I want to remind you that this life has nothing to do with what you do and your effort and your, your performance. This is all about the grace of God that you've received. And so he's outlining what they believe and why they believe it so strongly. And then in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, what he talks about is he talks about our responsibility now to what we believe that we actually have a responsibility in action. We have a part to play now that we know. In other words, now that you know, you're responsible too. And there's some stuff that we've got to do. And so Paul is writing, Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, the Bible says this. Be kind, Paul writing saying, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just before this, Paul goes on to tell them that, hey, you have received new life because of Jesus. And it's important that you throw off this old life and allow the, and, and allow the new to fully come uh, in your life. That there is, there, is, there is a fullness of the experience of salvation that God desires for you to, to truly walk in. And Paul is writing to, hear me, not just new believers, He's writing to people who have been in church for a minute, been in church for a long time, telling them, hey, don't get comfortable, don't get complacent, don't settle, don't go back to old ways, um, don't allow things that were a part of your old life to hang on in this new life. You have permission to let go of that old life. And it's important that we understand and are encouraged today that you don't, you have permission to not be bound by the same things that you were bound by before. You, you have permission to step fully into new life and not allow that temptation that used to control you, control you any longer. You don't have to allow that bitterness to continue to dominate your thoughts and your life anymore. We are both invited into new life and then as we step into that, we have permission to actually walk in that newness 
of life. And, and Paul is creating a picture here uh, that, that he is referencing back to John 11. John 11, this is a story of Jesus where he raises Lazarus from the dead. Uh, miraculous story, uh, extremely impactful story, uh, helping us understand who Jesus truly is. And Paul is referencing this as he's telling him, throw off the old, step into and embrace all that God has for you in this new life. John chapter 11, verse 43 says this, when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's not good enough that you just said, it's not enough that you just said yes to Jesus. God has so much more for you that, yes, you stepped into new life and that is awesome, but that new life ought to like create new life in everything that you do. You don't have to wear the same things that you wore before. You don't have to walk the same way that you walked before. You don't have to relate to people the way that you did before. You don't have to be bound by those same things the way you did before. Colossians chapter three and verse 12 says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And Paul is telling them to continue to mature and step into the fullness of this life that God has for you. So this is where we're gonna be over the next couple of weeks. And today we're gonna to be talking about kindness. Today we're gonna to be talking about kindness. And the title of the message today is this, Continue in Kindness. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your overwhelming kindness towards us. God, I pray that we would see in these moments the lengths that you will go in your kindness for us, to seek us, to find us, to draw us out and closer to you. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to each and every one of us today that we would leave a little bit more like you than when we came in. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, would you consider yourself a kind person? Better question. Will the person you're sitting next to consider you a kind person? Right, and some of you are so glad you don't know the person sitting next to you right now. You're like, God, you picked the right seat for me today. Right, get to know him before you leave. Now, would you consider yourself a guy? Let me ask you this. On a scale of Simon Cowell at American Idol to like your grandmother, where are you? Okay. Like where, you know how we, we make these like polarizing things so like you have to go in the lane that I want you to be in, right? So we can say, but like, you ever Simon Cowell on American Idol? Like he was not afraid to tell a 12 year old he stunk at singing and should never come back. He said, I don't care what your mom's told you, dad or grandma, they are wrong and you should know today, right? How, do you consider yourself a kind person? I'm not talking about nice. I'm not talking about extending niceties towards people. I'm talking about, are, would you consider yourself a kind person and, and what, what evidence do we have for that? What evidence do we have? Like what, what, what determines whether or not you believe or others around you believe that you're a kind person? Let, let's define kindness for a second, all right? This is the dictionary definition, okay? So grain of salt. Uh, the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Um, one of the things I wanna help you understand today is that kindness is so much more than a personality trait. In fact, we're gonna see here in a moment, kindness matters to God. Kindness is a big deal to God because kindness is kingdom. Kindness is the way that the kingdom works. 
In fact, scripture will tell us that it is in fact his kindness that has even led us to the cross, has led us to repentance, the Bible says. The only reason that many of us, and if you don't believe in Jesus today, um, we're so glad you're here, you're gonna have an opportunity to respond to him, and I pray you would see and experience his kindness even through the moments that we have. But many of us here today, we have responded and said yes to Jesus, and the only reason we sit here is because God's kindness pursued you even when you wouldn't pursue him. That's why we're here. It's his kindness. It's so much more than a personality trait. In fact, kindness is, is a disposition of your heart. It is a, kindness is a bending of your heart towards those who God's heart is bent towards. And that is all people, in case we're wondering. Kindness is, is, is not just a personality trait. It is so much more than that. And what's interesting here in Ephesians chapter four is Paul is telling us Paul is helping us understand um, that as a follower of Jesus, hear me, people have a, have a right to expect you to respond in kindness towards them. Whether they believe in God or not, whether they treat you well or not, whether they believe the same things as you, whether they vote the same way, whether they talk the same way or live the same way, the world has a right to expect followers of Jesus to be kind. Because last I checked, following meant following. And if I'm going to follow the one who is the embodiment of God's kindness, that means that I will then begin to walk like, talk like, act like. Now, it's not to say that you're gonna just arrive there and be good and done, but it is to say that as you follow Jesus, Kindness ought to be more of the disposition of your heart than it was before. In fact, it, it ought to be more dominant than bitterness. It ought to be more dominant than cruelty. Kindness ought to be the way that we live and respond. And, and it's about time that the church started being a little bit more kind, not just to church people, but to all people. It's about time that we lead the way in this thing as it relates to kindness in this world. I don't know if you notice, but kindness is not even on the top 100 of like things we're really great at in the world today. It's not, but it ought to be number one when it, when it comes to followers of Jesus, that we relate to all people kindly. Be kind, the Apostle Paul is, is writing, but we tend to act more like Simon Cowell on American Idol, just trying to tell everybody, and we, we said this before, right? Like, We've all said this. I'm going to just, I, I keep it real. I tell the truth. Yeah, Jesus told the truth too, and more people followed him as a result of it, not less. Jesus told the truth too, and people who didn't even know who he was or what he was about flocked to him and said, he's nicer than all these other people, so I want to be around him. Jesus told the truth too, but it seems as though our truth telling leads people away, not towards I'm just, I'm gonna keep it real. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna say what's on my mind. That's probably not a good idea ever. That, that, that's why our life ought to be submitted to the Holy Spirit, that he is like kind of the filter. You can say everything, you can talk to the Holy Spirit however you want about them, but then you gotta let him tell you, yeah, don't say that, definitely say that, and you should probably say sorry too. Be kind. We ought to be kind to one another. Look, look at this. Look at how, 
look at how important kindness is to God. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 22. What is desired in a man is kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. Proverbs 21, verse 21 says this. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life. Wow. You will find life and righteousness and honor. Proverbs 11, verse 17, your kindness will reward you, but what? Your cruelty will destroy you. Doesn't get more clear than that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, so get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Like the newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk that you will grow into a full experience. Watch this. This is what Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 4 that you would grow into a full experience of salvation. Don't stop short. Keep growing. Keep maturing. Keep growing. Step fully into this thing. Get everything out of this life that God has for you. Get, experience everything that God wants to do in you and through you on the, in this life. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness. It says, hey, don't just taste of God's kindness. Don't just taste of His kindness. No, but walk in this. Oh, get, allow the taste to move you to get as much as you possibly can and then give that to as many people as you possibly can also. Kindness is so much more than being nice. In fact, God wants you to be nice, but he, he'd much rather you be kind. Like, God wants you to be kind more than he just wants you to be nice because niceties draw attention to ourself. Okay, niceties draw attention to me, but kindness draws attention to someone greater. Because watch this, kindness isn't natural, kindness is supernatural. Got to understand this. And if you have a Bible, flip with me. I should have told you this earlier, but I didn't. That's on me. 2 Samuel chapter 9. While you turn there, this is a story we're going to dig into a little bit for the rest of the day today, for the next few moments, to see the kindness of, of David on display, what it looks like to walk in kindness. What does kindness look like? How does kindness change the way that we walk, change the way we talk, change the way we live? 2 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, the, king David, he, David is now king. Okay, David is now king. He, he's defeated Goliath. He, he's, he's grown in favor with God and favor with men. Saul has gotten jealous. Saul then goes and tries to kill David upwards of 10 and 11 different times. Okay, you think that person betrayed you, bad? This dude tried to kill David almost a dozen times, okay? Now, also you'd say like, you should probably have quit at some point, because at some point you realize you're not really good at this. But point is, try to kill David upwards of almost 12, 12 different times, okay? And at this point, a handful of battles have happened and both Saul and Jonathan are dead. Now, Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth, okay? Now, what we're gonna find here in 2 Samuel chapter nine is David doesn't know that Mephibosheth is out there yet. Okay? He doesn't know that he's alive. He doesn't know that he's out there. But he does remember that he made a covenant with Jonathan before he died. King David, Jonathan comes to King David and says, hey, no matter what happens, promise me, make a covenant with me that you will show kindness to my family in spite of what my father did. I know my father chose to kill, try to kill you like more than once. I know that he, he pursued you and he did everything he could to end your life out of his jealousy and his rage and all of that. But please show kindness to my family for my sake. And so David made a covenant with Jonathan and said, because of you, I will show kindness to your family. Now, David is king 
And and, and in 2 Samuel chapter 9, David begins to remember the covenant that he made with Jonathan. Now, you have to understand that years have passed by. Years and years and years. Mephibosheth is older at this point, even has a son, okay? He's older. David remembers this covenant. And what's important here in 2 Samuel chapter 9, before we read this, is is for you to understand this, is that um, when a a new king would take the throne, oftentimes what they would do is they they would destroy every single person in the previous family line in order to make sure that no one attempted to regain control of the seat. That, that, that they would not be, um, they would not be uh, challenged or fought by the one who controlled the throne previous. So they would wipe out the entire family. David chooses not to do this because of the covenant that he made with Jonathan. And what we're gonna see is because of the kindness that he had experienced from God up until this point, David chooses to show kindness even when he didn't have to, and even when it wasn't deserved, because kindness is not natural, it's supernatural. 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 3, the Bible says this, Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I I may show the kindness of God? The kindness of God. And Ziba said to him, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame, in his feet. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 further illustrates this for us and then we'll we'll clarify it here in a second. But the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. David did not say, I'm going to show my kindness. David understood. David said, I need to show the kindness of God, the kindness of the Lord. Galatians 5 shows us that that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I don't mean to insult your intelligence in any way, shape, or form, but let's just, so we're all on the same page. If kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, it cannot be a fruit of your and my flesh. It cannot be. If His presence produces kindness in me as I yield my life towards Him, it cannot be something that is natural to my flesh, or I wouldn't need the Holy Spirit for it. Kindness is not something, and this is why some of you in this room are exhausted and disappointed at your own life even right now. You have tried to do things the right way. You've tried to be nice to your enemies. You have tried to care for the people that have just like continually let you down over and over and over again, and you can't find it in yourself to keep going. Why I know this? Because we're really good at being kind once. It's the second time, and the third time, and the fourth time that we... No, but David understood, I don't have it in me. They tried to kill me. I I should wipe them all out. If not for the kindness of God I have received, so I will give of what I have received. I will give of the kindness of God. Understand this, true kindness is spirit-produced. Kindness is a fruit of a spirit-empowered child of God. You cannot be truly kind without help from the Holy Spirit. And here's what I found. Um, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't just snap his fingers and make you kind tomorrow. No, generally what he'll do, and some of you need to recognize what God may be trying to birth in you right now in your life. Uh, the Holy Spirit will lead you into situations um, where you are forced to be kind to people. Like, like the Holy Spirit will lead you into a situation where you're, you used to just absolutely pop off on somebody. And you are good at it. Like, you know, like, this is the moment, you know? Like, I've been waiting for this, you know? 
And the Holy Spirit will lead you there. And right before you're about to hear, say, hey, 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 yeah, yeah, we don't. Nope, I don't want you to do that. Hey, I know, I know that's how you feel. And to be honest, you're kind of right. Um, but we're not, we're not going to respond that way. You could respond that way, but I'm asking you not to. You, you, you walk into your job and you say, you know what, I'm going to be kind today. And then all of a sudden your boss has a conversation with you and you realize somebody went behind your back and said something about you and whatever. And, and you have every right, so it seems, to go and lash out and go and respond as everybody else would. And the Holy Spirit prompts you and says, hey, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Trust me. Be patient. We're going to be kind. And we're going to just keep going together, you and me. Can we do that? He, he leads you into situations where you're, you're, you're faced with the question, will I, will I be kind or, or will I say what I, what I really want to say? See, kindness originates with God, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and is to flow freely through the children of God to anyone. Because kindness is not mine, it's not mine to control nor to hold on to. His kindness flows to anyone and everyone freely and continually. Anyone. His kindness sees and responds to anyone. Disclaimer, um, we don't get to pick and choose who deserves kindness and who doesn't. And thank God we don't. Because I once was an enemy of God. I once was separated from God, but God did not see me that way. He chose to pursue me anyways. And through his kindness has led me into a relationship with him that he now calls me friends and not enemy. I am so thankful. We ought to be thankful that God's kindness is for anyone. And not just for anyone, but he seeks them out and responds in kindness. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Watch David here. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? He doesn't deserve it. There's no reason that anyone in my life would tell me I should. But yet I made a covenant. And so is there anyone? David wasn't looking for Mephibosheth specifically. David was looking for anyone because David knew I've got kindness from God that I must give to somebody. Is there anyone in my life that I could possibly show kindness to? I guarantee you, you will begin to experience some freedom in your life if you begin to ask the question, is there anyone at my workplace that I could possibly show kindness to? Because you know what you'll find? The answer is yes. Is there anyone in my family that I could possibly show kindness to? Yep. Is there anyone at lunch today that I could possibly show God's kindness to? Yep. If you start asking the anyone question, you'll start seeing a little bit more like God does. Because is there anyone? Absolutely. Luke chapter 6 and verse, th verse 35. Watch this. This is how far this anyone goes. But love your enemies, do good and lend. Okay, I can love enemies, maybe. The do good part, don't know if I could do that. But the lending part, God, you don't understand. That's why I don't like them. Because I did lend to them and they burned me. You're telling me I got to do it again? Yep. Do good to your enemies, lend, hoping for nothing in return. Okay, see, that's too far. I already know that, but I don't want to hope for it. Hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High God. For he is kind, watch this, to the unthankful and the evil. 
Hear me, we are the anyone's. We are the anyone's from Lodabar in isolated places that God searched for, found, drew out. And it is the anyone's that we ought to extend God's kindness to as well. Uh, the NLT version translates Luke chapter six like this. It says, you will truly be acting as a child of God when you do this. Strong language. Watch it. And uh, Exodus chapter 23. This is why you can't just like read your Bible super, super fast. Like you got to slow down a little bit because sometimes you get stuff like this and you're like, I don't know why that's in the Bible, but I got it now. Okay. So Exodus 23, guarantee you probably never read this before, but we're going to read it today. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, take it back to its owner. If you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. You ever read that before? Nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> Search for opportunities. See the opportunities. Enemies, not enemies. One who betrayed me, one who does good to me. We're really good at being kind to the kind people in our life. God says that's not the test of kindness. The test of kindness is will you be good and kind to the people that I tell you to be good and kind to? That I, Because we'll even look for opportunities to be kind to our enemies to where we can kind of like do it and then check the box and then get out real fast. But God says the, the test of kindness is will you be kind when I tell you? Will you be kind when I prompt you? Will you be kind when I ask you to be kind? Notice David didn't say, I'll show kindness of God because he did anything. Mephibosheth was in an isolated place, crippled, could not walk, didn't have any ability, was in an isolated place, a silent place all by himself. Hear me, you don't go to Lodabar for fun or vacation or staycation. It's a place you go to never be seen again. It's a place you go so that you never have to encounter people again, so that you could sit in your shame. And, and, and David sought after him. David said, I will choose to show kindness to anyone because of my commitment to the one who has shown overwhelming loving kindness to me. You don't ever graduate from needing to receive kindness nor extend kindness. Because from the pasture to the palace, David's kindness, David's kindness spanned the whole way. You gotta understand, when, when, when kindness becomes too simple, we failed. Because kindness is kingdom. It's what led us to the cross. So if it's what led us to the cross, our harshness and cruelty will never do that for somebody else. It's only his kindness through us. But what I've found in my life is that kindness um, doesn't just search for anyone and respond. Kindness is relentless in its pursuit. How many of you, you responded the very first time God got a hold of you? Awesome. No hands. <laughs> no, but he kept coming, didn't he? He kept coming. He kept talking to you. He frustrated you. He said, I'm going to be here whether you want me to be here or not until you respond. That's what Romans 1 says, that all of creation is being made continually more and more aware of God's invisible qualities and his attributes to the point that they would have no excuse. What if one of the ways that God wants to relentlessly pursue the people in your life is through displaying kindness through you? He was relentless. David didn't just say, David could have said, you know what, my favorite, ah, 
I sent a letter to him, but it just didn't get there. You know, man, that's a bummer. I really wanted to show kindness and it just, ah, load bar, I guess they don't have postal. I don't know. Oh man, the, the car we sent to pick him up, it wasn't, it wasn't the right car and he wasn't able to get here. No, David, David not just sought after him, but pursued him as much as possible in order to bring him into the palace. David was relentless in his pursuit. Look at this, Psalm, or, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 4 through 5 says, uh, verse 4 through 5 says this, So the king said to him, where is he? It's not good enough that I know that he's out there. Tell me where he is and tell me now. And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of whatever that name is. And the son of Emil and Lodabar, then King said, then King David said and sent him, uh, sent and brought him out of the house from Lodabar. David said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to whatever lengths I must go to to find this one person that is left that I may show the kindness of God. Kindness is not passive. It is in fact opportunistic. It's proactive, it's aggressive, and it has no limits. But you and I, we tend to have limits, don't we? I wonder today, um, where is your limit as to how much kindness you're willing to show in your life? How much, how much of God's kindness you're willing to extend? Because we all have limits. You know this, right? Like we're not just trying to play the church thing, right? Like we're honest enough to say we got some limits. That I will show kindness unless they betray me. I will show kindness unless they do it twice. I will show kindness, but... Um, if they do that, I will, I will never speak of them again. I will never be able to extend kindness to them ever again. Well, where is the limit? Let me, let me show you that we do, in fact, have limits. John chapter 6 and verse 60. Jesus is telling his disciples, this is that story where, where Jesus says, hey, if you're going to be my follower, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, right? And if you're new and you've never been in church before, I'm sorry, we can explain it afterwards, okay? We don't have time. Um, he says this, and he doesn't actually mean that literally. He means it for, but anyways. Um, verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is a very hard thing to understand. How could anyone accept it? Watch this. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. That's the limit. I will do it until it gets too hard, God. I will do it until it's not the person that I want to do it. I'll extend kindness as long as it benefits me. I'll extend your kindness as long as they like actually receive it. I'll extend kindness as long as like it remedies the, the brokenness in the relationship. I'll, I'll extend kindness and God says, no, 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 no. It, will you do it because I ask you to do it? Will you do it where I ask you to do it? Will you do it when I ask you to do it? See, understand this today. Kindness will move more than your opinion ever will. Kindness will move more than your preferences Ever will. Kindness is powerful to soften even the hardest of hearts. Because God is so intentional and meticulous, He will slowly, daily chip away to the point that they see how good, kind, and gracious God truly is. Continue in this kindness. Paul says, don't, don't get to a point where you feel like I'm good, I got it. Continue in this kindness. And the last thing is this. See from 2 Samuel chapter 9 is this. Kindness is a choice. Kindness is a choice. 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 7. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness 
for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Verse nine, and the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to you, uh, given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul to, and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my Lord, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Kindness is a choice to respond over and above as he already has and continues to do. How many of you are thankful that God chose to show kindness to you and I? Because again, hear me, as much as we want to be David in this story and as much as we should desire hereafter to be as close to David in this story, more specifically as close to Jesus, as it relates to extending kindness, we are not him. We are Mephibosheth. We are the anyone who was nowhere. No one knew who we were but God. And God chose to come after you and I in kindness and not just bring us into relationship, but to restore all. Watch David. He says, I will restore all that was your grandfather's that I have taken. Everything that was will be for you. And I will go a step further. No longer will you live in Lodabar. No longer will you have to go back to isolated places, to desolate places, to places all by yourself. I am going to bring you and seat you at my table and you will be as one of the king's sons. That is the extent that God desires we extend kindness to the people around us. David is moved by a question that will ultimately change and restore the life of another person. And you must know this is what kindness does. David didn't owe it and Saul's house didn't deserve it, but David chose to show kindness anyways. In fact, what we, what we often miss is that kindness is one of the most underutilized and potent weapons of our spiritual warfare we never choose to use. You, you ever called customer service angry and got like the sweetest little Southern lady on the phone and you're like, ah, shoot. I was ready. To, you're like ready. And then they, I think it's manipulative. I think they're doing it on purpose now, you know, but like, but we never choose to use it. In fact, go back and watch Proverbs, go back and read Proverbs chapter 25 and you'll see how awesome of a weapon of our spiritual warfare this really is. But kindness is a choice. Kindness is a choice. And you know what happens when you choose to extend kindness to the people in your life? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 shows us that when you shine your light among men, they will see your good works. When you allow the kindness and the light of life, when you allow the life that is Jesus to shine through you, people will see it and they will begin to glorify God. You want to change the world? Be kind. You want to change your marriage? Be kind. You want to change the attitude of your kids? Be kind. You want to change your reputation at your workplace? Be kind. It's time that we, as people of God, start giving God one of the greatest gifts we could possibly give Him, and that is to be kind to His other children. 
Not because they deserve it, not because we want to, but because God asked us and God has responded and chose to respond to us in kindness overwhelmingly. May we receive and simply give away everything that we have received in the kindness of God. You know what I've realized over the course of my life is this, that everything that I have and everything that I am is a direct result of God's kindness towards me.